Hello, and welcome to the newest episode of the Pastels Podcast. Welcome, uh, welcome. I, of course, am Dave Pastel, alongside Johnny Pastel. Johnny Pastel, yeah. So, I have to do one thing before... So, we'll be talking about Maximum Overdrive, which, uh, if, if, you don't, if you haven't seen the movie, um, this one's for my dad, father of the podcast. Does but your dad other people, like this movie? if they're no, no, but if they're listening and they've not seen the movie, oh, I see. You know, um, like I don't think my father's watching all these films, but he's listening. So hey, thanks, Dad. Um, anyway, um, yeah, we're talking about Maximum Overdrive, which in the movie there's a comet going over the Earth for eight. We'll be in the shadow of the what for eight days, and that seems to make anything with power come alive essentially and try to kill human beings because oh yeah that's right uh there's a there's a point in the the tooth he's like so when emilio estevez is like totally out of it and he was like it's a broom it's a broom and I'm, what the hell yeah, does i that remember mean? i remember and hearing then, that and then he's like because they're cleaning away all of the humans oh. so the the overlords can come or what you know whatever and i was like Okay, don't remember that one. But anyway. It's also a stupid way to describe it. <laughs> and, and I know. It's a broom. I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? It's a broom, dude. And, and the way he delivers it. So anyway, uh, that's what we'll be talking about. It makes anything, you know, it's based on trucks, which was a short story where all the trucks came alive. And there wasn't really an explanation for it, which is, which is okay. Yeah. Um, it's honestly, almost better. All right. Uh, it's, it's better sometimes to not have explainers. So anyway. That's what we'll be talking about. And, of course, it's Stephen King's directorial debut. And the last his, time doing uh, it. Also his farewell to directing yes. as well. So, mm. okay. But there's something, while we're drinking this, this, this lovely cup of coffee that... that Me out of my I'd ask mug. Exactly. And I've got my uh, aged Sumatra cup here. Starbucks, I think. Yep. Yeah, it is Starbucks. So, um, anyway, speaking of coffee. Okay, so I've had this experience a few times. But it, it's a real pet peeve. I got to say. And so, okay. So what, what I've experienced with, I'm not going to say members of people that, uh, you know, may or may not be family or friends, you know, I'm not going to say who, but they don't drink coffee. Okay. They're not coffee drinkers. And I was drinking some coffee and I was reaching for the creamer and it's like, oh yeah, I know that you need to kill the taste. You know, and, and they're like, well, I like if I drank coffee, I would I would drink it black. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't use any creamer because, you know, that means you basically don't really like the taste of coffee or whatever. And, you know, as I've, a non coffee drinker, I can assure you that since you don't drink coffee, if you drank coffee, you sure as shit would not drink it black. No, for sure. And the thing <laughs> that I, I I've tried to argue is that like people have drank tea for God knows how long, mm -hmm. you know, 500 years at least. And oh, way fucking more than that. It, right. I mean, at least, you know, and, and so, and we know that, you know, cream, sugar, not everyone uses it, but it's very common. And that doesn't seem to be controversial. But when it comes to non-coffee drinkers, somehow wanting to shame you for using, and the thing is, it's like, it tastes good. That's, that's why you drink it, because 
it's, you know, I'm like, do I need a reason more than it tastes good together? You know, like, I don't love black coffee because I just don't. It's so it, I, this has happened a few times. And it just, it, I, you know, to me, it's like if you're like, oh, chocolate milk, which, OK, you don't like chocolate milk. OK, but you're like, why put the chocolate in there? You could just drink the milk. And you're like, yeah, but also it tastes good. So why would I, you know what I'm saying? While it's I just, agree with what you're saying, there's a logical stopping point to something like that. Present Tennessee Titans backup quarterback. Uh, Jesus. I forget what his name is. Will Levis. Backup quarterback. Will Levis. Yes, he was drafted this year out of the University of Kentucky. Uh, but he made uh, headlines because he likes putting mayo in his coffee, and I will not fucking stand by that. That is not okay. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> I've heard of butter, but. Yeah, yeah. And, which, and, uh, Starbucks right now is on that whole weird ass train of putting olive oil in your coffee. I also don't oh, think I'm okay, okay with that. I that yeah. But I mean, sure. Um, but you know, a cream based coffee, yeah, milk, you know, thing going in a hot beverage is has been around for quite a mm -hmm. long time, and and so it's like this weird shaming, like, oh, you should be drinking black coffee, and like that's, I, it's just weirdly set me off that I'm still thinking about it. X amount of time later. Um, you know, I'm not, you know, if that person is listening, uh, you know, n you know, no big deal, you know, not a real beef, but it's just this big attitude. for you to be talking about it. It's, it, that's fair. <laughs> so, but, you know, I can forgive it, but it's just, it's happened a few times and it's just, it just kind of drives me nuts. So, and I don't have too many pet peeves in, in that category um, or, not in that category. So I don't know. I've got just, a lot I, of pet peeves. I'm I sure. Yeah, yeah, I, I am not. Okay. Something on that level then. What, what's your pet peeve? People who pronounce accurate, accurate. Okay. I'm not experienced that. People who don't use their blinkers. Okay. Uh, yeah. There's two. A lot of humans in general. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the blinker thing is, you know, the thing that I have to say on the, on the blinker thing is that if like you're driving in traffic, and there's, you know, when people are merging, because I had to do this when I was commuting to Portland for school for a very long time. There's a lot of merging involved. And if you just put your fucking blinker on, it, it wouldn't be that hard, but they won't put the blinker on. And then they'll try to just shoehorn their way in there at some point and nearly kill somebody. Okay, I just burped in this thing. So sorry about that. If that's noisy. You literally channeled um, it down into the I, microphone. I know. I'm like, I was trying to, bad idea. <laughs> So, um, but anyway, I, it's like, if you just use the fucking blinker, eventually somebody's going to let you in, you know, there's going to be six people who probably ignore you because they're assholes, but you uh, know, just use the blinker. I was going to say, I agree with you. However, uh, my experience driving is that according to Oregonians, the use of a blinker means that the person next to you should start going faster and make it almost impossible for you to get over that is my experience. Yeah, but I also feel like eventually, eventually there's going to be somebody and that you won't. Oh yeah, you to absolutely like have to turn your blinker on. Of, like, you yeah. know, but people just they just they just won't. Yeah. Um, you know, it's I guess asking forgiveness and permission, I suppose. Um, anyway, so okay, so I guess let's. I felt like there was another thing, but I guess why don't we get, let's start let's talking get about started. maximum let's overdrive. Let's get started about the movie. So, okay, I have to say the development, you know, surprisingly, the development is not that interesting because one thing I feel like I have to note is this is not a Stephen King dream project. 
Directing, he was interested in, yes, mainly because he wanted to know if he could do it better. Spoiler alert, he couldn't. But, <laughs> but it's not a dream project for him. He didn't really have any particular... The only reason he, it, it winds up being Trucks is A, because because Dino owned it, mm-hmm. and, and B, because, and I feel like there's a quote in here somewhere. Uh, let's see, where is it at? Um, okay, here it's in some, uh, it It is because, okay, yes, he chose to adapt trucks because he'd have to l- less work with actors. He says, there's several similar quotes, but I'm never going to have a truck that says, I can't do this scene. I'm having my period. Right. So that's a way to think about it. Um, and but the thing is, he then goes on to say, however, the trucks and the machine machinery were the real prima donnas. They fucked up without fail, which I guess makes me think of Jaws and, you know, the shark is not working. So kind of learned his lesson there, I guess. Um, so it, anyway, I feel like the point to emphasize: this is not a dream project for him. This is not like even a story that he's particularly attached to. He just wants to try directing see if he can do it and yeah so i feel like that's like i feel like it has to be known this is not any particular it was already in development before it was decided that oh this will be the thing that that he's going to direct and uh, on the topic of trying to figure out if he could do it that just depends on your definition of doing it because i mean he made a movie so in that sense, he he did it. He he, not, he technically can direct. It's not as and it's not as bad because as as Children of the Corn. <laughs> it no because the thing is, you know, a movie can't be that bad if you can if you can drink a beer or two, have a good time with your friend. It's not a bad movie then. It's not that great, but it's it's not like if you're like, oh, this is the worst movie ever made. Well, the worst movie ever made is gonna have zero entertainment factor. And this movie starts off with. Uh, Stephen King camoing, cam- camoing. Cam- it's like it's cam- Stephen King and camo, cameoing, uh, as I like to call it. It's the the best quote from Stephen King ever, and it's this machine just called me an asshole. And yeah, and it and it, it, it just yeah, it's it's pretty basic. So you know you're having a good time, right, right from the start. Now that may be the high water mark of the movie, but that's that's your reason to spend four ninety nine to rent it on Amazon. Yeah, probably. But hey, if you're listening to this anytime soon, it's on Tubi and some other free one. Pluto. So anyway, yeah. So there's that. Um, but but let's go into. There's some similarities with Cat's Eye. Yeah, with Cat's Eye, where it's the same guy, like Milton Sabatsky or something. Um, one of those guys that worked for. Amicus, which was like the Hammer competitor in the 70s, and he did a lot of anthology films. Same guy. Um, and it tries to be the same thing that Cat's Eye was, which Cat's Eye was going to be mainly what it was going to be, except for it was going to be something... I was to say something wicked this way comes. Nope. Uh, sometimes they come back again. Um, so um, a- anyway, this is before Dino is involved. It's, it's, so it's going to be an anthology. Okay, interesting. Interesting idea. Uh, this, so Trucks, an adaptation of Trucks, Lawnmower Man and The Mangler were an anthology film called The Machines. And it even got to the scripting stage, but it was the same problem he had before. He couldn't get the funding. 
um, which I don't know. That would be interesting anyway. Um, probably would have been better than the lawnmower man that got made. But uh, but anyway, couldn't get the funding, and he sold it to Dino Shotgun. Um, and so that's kind of how it gets started, very similar to uh, to Cat's Eye, except for it obviously winds up not being an anthology film. Uh, so, the yeah, and, and we talked about this before, but the, the bit about the comment, luckily, the comment is the explainer, um, which was all the studio, which, okay, I'm kind of glad because it is, it is kind of dumb. It's very dumb. And, and you just don't need it. A lot of Stephen King stories, they don't have an explainer. You don't know why this is happening, and it doesn't matter. Maybe to some people it bugs them, but those people are losers, okay? You don't need... Sorry, I don't mean to be a hater, but it's just you don't need the explainer. No, you, you don't. You don't need it, you know? Why an anthology, it? Also, an anthology film can just be an anthology film without a cat fucking being in it. This is true. <laughs> Stephen King... Can be the That's enough connective tissue, tissue. like um, nightmares and dreamscapes. Mm -hmm. it, they're not all from nightmares and dreamscapes. No, they aren't. But they're all Stephen King. That's all you fucking need, and it's it's pretty good. Um, anyway, um, so yeah. So anyway, the the directing. Okay, I think this part's interesting, and I don't. This is not necessarily no. I mean, I would say this is development related. So the thing the the thing with him directing is. It, it goes against the complete opposite nature. And this kind of ties in with how you have problems with his endings, as well as like 50% of people that read Stephen King. Mm -hmm. But he, 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 if you read anything, I mean, he goes with intuition. He knows where to start from. And with a few exceptions, Insomnia is one of them. There's a couple of other ones. He does not plot at all. There's no outline at all. He doesn't know exactly where it's going, and he feels like part of that helps because he's like, if I don't know where it's going, the reader's not going to know where it's going. And that's and, how we end up with names like Johnny Smith. Exactly. And so, and so it's, he's very intuition-based. He doesn't prepare. But with this, with this, he knows that he's going to be unprepared. He knows that he doesn't know anything about directing. Um, and so he approaches it like, like Hitchcock, where Hitchcock, somewhat famously, um was you know by the time shooting start he's like i know exactly what every scene is going to look like there's no ad-libbing there's like this is what the movie is he knows exactly what it's going to be so that's what he tries to do because and this is the part that may be surprising to some people who are just like oh he's on cocaine and he's just winging it and you know that's not really the case you know i think his judgments are clouded by the substances he's using but he is not going in unprepared exactly. I mean, he is because he doesn't know what he's doing. But he spends, they start shooting around the 4th of July on 1984, 1985, I don't remember. Um, probably 85 because I think it comes it out in 86. 86. Yeah, so probably 85. Um, starts shooting early July. Um, but he got down there in Wilmington. Oh, yeah, we're back in Wilmington again. Uh, DEG Studios, um, the land of uh, non-union labor. And, um, and But he gets down there in May, and he starts working on blocking. He starts working with actors, mostly probably like Emilio Estevez, because he was very serious about everything that he was doing. Um, and, and so, I mean, he spends fucking time to try to, to do the best he can. Um but it goes against the way that he works. Like, it's just, it's not the way that he works naturally. And I feel like that's 
you know, you, you can't just, well, I mean, some directors are more, um, uh, will kind of, are more flexible with how things are going to be. But generally speaking, most directors don't work like that because you've got 50 people hanging around and you have to, you know, uh, organize them and everything like that. So I feel like that's part of the problem is it's just the way that he works doesn't work as well with film because, you know. It's almost like they're different mediums. You know, it's almost like it. I know, right? Uh, But to be fair, he's always been pretty open about the difference between, the difference in mediums and saying that, like, if you make a film, except for maybe with The Shining or, or, or some that are his babies, you know, he's just, you make the movie how you want to make the movie because it's just, you know, it's just not the, it's just a totally different medium. So part of that he's okay with. Um because and that happened with Silver Bullet too. He's he makes some changes it, uh-huh. to the material, and so even he's not, you know, like he noted with what was that movie? Um, uh, Firestarter. Yeah, I think it was Firestarter, which is very faithful, but it's just missing something. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, so there's that. Uh, the last thing I want to say is well, I guess before I mention that, speaking of Hitchcock, now this makes sense in retrospect, but the birds was a heavy influence, which does make sense if you think about all of a sudden, you know, these things that don't normally try to kill attack people, people, attack people, it. all of a sudden. But the thing with the birds is there is no explainer, yeah. which is exactly yeah. how it should be. You don't know why it's happening. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I burped away from the mic. So um, anyway, so it does totally make sense when you think about it like that. But if you said, oh, yeah, the birds... You know, it's going to be like, what's going on? So anyway, I but, would say that there's some scenes that are fairly similar as well. Like uh, uh, one of my, that I'll go in more detail later when we're actually talking about the movie, but like one of the most egregious scenes to me, uh, but uh, which is good in the birds when the birds are just flying overhead, circling. Right. That's creepy and cool when a bunch of semi-trucks are just randomly circling a building. That's pretty fucking stupid. And it, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't really... It, it doesn't translate. No, no, not really. Uh, the last thing I'll say uh, before we get into it is this is the last... No, this is not the last Dino King movie, but this is the last Dino Time movie that King, King actually has worked anything with him. Yeah. to do with it. And the interesting thing is, because by 1991... He does an interview where he said, it got to a point where I said, no more, just absolutely no more. And then he asked the question, which is fair, of why he collaborated with him so long. Uh, He said, and this is going to be an indelicate thing. Um, It's like a girl who gets raped and says, gee, I didn't like that very much. Why don't I turn over and you can stick it up my ass? So... That's a metaphor, and um, but the thing is, it also coincides roughly with him becoming sober. And, and see, I feel and like that's enough, that's the a thing. surprise. And and I know, you know, I can't speak for other people. I don't know what's going on in people's lives. Go ahead. But uh, you gotta just think, like, if you're being logical about it, uh, Stephen King probably needs to spend a moment being honest with himself. Because he probably collaborated with Dino for so long because Dino kept buying his movies, which kept putting money in his pocket, which kept putting cocaine up his nose. Yeah, and I do think part of it... It's not like he got nothing out of this collaboration. And I think part of it also is is that sense of, for the most part, I would say, except for maybe like The Shining and stuff, he's he's pretty open about you do what you want with the movie. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes even likes when they make changes that that he didn't didn't have... 
and sometimes know, I, he hates the changes that he suggests. It's right. Yeah, we we covered that one. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. So I think part of it is he's he's very much okay with with things. So I think he did enjoy somewhat like you know translating his work to to a different medium and, and opened it to there being changes. So I feel I feel like part of it, and also he did say around the time of Maximum Overdrive that he's like I don't really he's like movies just aren't. I can't remember how he phrases it, but essentially movies aren't as important to him as, as the books. Like they're just, they're just not. He's like, they're somewhat of an inferior medium if you compare it. So anyway, we, we get the last King direct collaboration, which is not really a bummer. No. Okay. So let's get into the notes. All right. Um, I of course have a little bit of an exposition on the beginning of the movie. Like usual. Uh, it's another beginning that's, I don't know, a little longer than it needs to be, but uh, it's just a big picture of Earth. Yeah, yep. And then, of course, it has to start with the explainer, which the explainer, if you don't know, is really absurd because the whole explainer is that uh, Earth gets caught in the tail of a comet for a very, very specific amount of time. Like, it is approximate eight, eight to days. where it's like eight, but, but it's not just eight days. It's like eight days, 23 hours, oh, 15 yeah. minutes, and 37 seconds. Yeah, it exactly. is precise. Yes. And I don't know if you understand comets, but I, and, and I'm not no, pretending I that I do either, but I'm pretty sure that it doesn't work that way. It feels like it. And you know? even if it did, it doesn't have to. The movie has absolutely, like the only point in time in which anything in the movie is put into a context that this all isn't just happening in one fucking day is that Emilio Estevez and Laura Harrington, I think is the actress's name, just keep fucking and like bring up the yeah. fact that they're basically banging for a week until that they could basically bang for a week until they were out of the comments tail. So okay, I think I missed that. Yeah, when I was in no <laughs> in no way. Otherwise, could you not have explained that all these things happened in a twenty four hour? See, period I guess I was thinking, yeah, it's like yeah. twenty four hours. Yeah. Uh, maybe 48. But after that, the movie, of course, starts out brilliantly because one of the things we already mentioned, yes. this machine called me an asshole. But the first thing that you actually see that may suggest that machines are going out of whack is before he even gets to the ATM machine as they're pulling up to the bank, the yes. bank's little billboard thing just keeps flashing, fuck, fuck you. Fuck you. Yeah. Yes, and and, and, that's, and Fantastic. that's pretty great. Uh, but then we go from there and... Uh, the camp just gets dialed up a notch. If you've been sitting here for the last six months watching the movies like we have, you'll notice a lot of ridiculous continuations, especially in the Dino movie. But this bridge even features some of the same shots. Like they planted the camera in the same exact spot. Yeah. But this is the same exact bridge that uh, James Woods gets caught smoking on. Oh, okay. It's the same bridge. Yeah. And some of the okay. angles are shot exactly the same. So that was kind of funny. Uh, but this scene is awful for a lot of different reasons. Like, you have to suspend your disbelief in this movie in a lot of ways just to believe that machines could be taken over. Yeah. But the most ridiculous thing that goes through with all the trucks and everything like that is, like, I can understand, like, mechanics going out of whack, which could make a soda machine launch cans out at people. But a machine going out of whack because something celestial that is able to turn complex levers. Yeah. So so you could yeah, you could make the case that. with the draw, drawbridge 
that fail safes went out of whack and that's why the drawbridge raised or whatever. But instead you see the knobs turn and buttons get pressed and it's like that it I it, it wouldn't work that way. Yeah, like in the Invisible Man. Sure. Yeah, sure. You know. But that's that it's not an invisible man, it's the tail of a comet. So uh but then in, the drawbridge raises and it just turns into this very ridiculous scene that is 100% play, played for camp. Like, I think there's nine times where either a person or something flies through a windshield. And mostly uh, I think it's watermelons. Yes. Except well, there are a, a lot guy. of watermelons. At the very two. beginning, there's a woman who goes straight through the windshield. Yeah, yeah. And it's very clearly a doll. And in the next shot, the woman's gone and her husband's just sitting there like, oh, what happened? <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. I mean, it's definitely played for camp, but it's too it's too long. It is way it's too long. So, it's way it's too long. So long. The dude, and then the dude who's in one of the trucks, and he's right on the middle. And when he looks out, instead of just jumping out so he can survive, he gets in the truck, just slams on the gas pedal, and then his rear axle falls off for no reason, and then he falls into the river. Oh yeah, I know <laughs> that, that one. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, it's it's like. It could be a campy, fun scene if it were like 30 seconds to a minute long, but instead they play it for like five to 10 solid minutes yeah, of just, just wrecking yeah. things, flying through windshields, trucks, uh, trucks and cars getting demolished. Uh, it's just, yeah, it's, it's too long. ACDC and it's, playing. Yeah, ACDC's, yeah, well, ACDC's yeah. been playing this well, whole time. Well, yeah, but I think it's, yeah, I guess it probably has, but that's when I first really yeah. started yeah. to notice it. Uh, yeah, in short, it's, it's just not good. No, uh, no, not great. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, it takes place. It actually takes place in Wilmington, in Wilmington which I don't remember. Does. I didn't remember that. So, which is interesting because usually it's some fictional. Even if it's not Maine, it's usually some fictional town. But I don't know. I'd whatever. be interested to see where the story takes place, or if it even paints it as taking place anywhere specific yeah, outside I, of just a truck stop. Yeah, I know. I don't know. Um, but. Uh, yeah, okay, so there's the bridge scene. Um, I think the next thing I have is, is when the guy gets... When he's get, he gets the diesel in his eyes because he's like... I have straighted his fucking a face. A few things before that. Nothing that really important. Can't see that one coming. Nothing really important. But uh, what starts before that is, of course, the iconic Happy Toys truck, which oh, yeah, uh, I remember reading a thing a couple of years ago where like one of the versions of the truck was randomly found in like a dump. Oh, in yeah. Georgia or something like that, that, and a dude uh, totally remodeled it and everything. But the iconic truck, uh, and it's amazing that at least in my reading, I haven't found anybody getting sued over this, but it's legitimately the Green Goblin from Marvel. It just is. Yeah, it definitely looks and like it's it. And front, it's the front of the truck, and it's this brand called Happy Toys, uh, which... With a Z, I think. Happy Toys with a Z, it is. Um, but it also has a very... Uh, if I can find where it is, it's also got a very X-rated slogan. Oh, I don't think I think I missed that. Oh shit! I'll get there when when we get there in my notes. I'll I'll, I'll yell out "Happy Toys" again. Oh, here it is. Here comes another load of joy. Mm, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Um, and uh, of course, I had to notice too that the driver of the truck. Uh, is played by Frankie Faison. Okay. He's a very good actor. If you don't know, Silence of the Lambs. Uh, I think he's also in the Langoliers, so we'll talk some more about Frankie Faison yeah. when we go out there. Uh, ironically, not related to Donald Faison I or know, Faison Love. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, but then, yes, uh, the Happy Toys truck is getting filled up with diesel. 
And then for a number of different reasons, this scene is stupid. It's, it's just like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like, it's, it's that thing of like, he turns it directly towards his face. Um, instead of like holding it off to the side, maybe yeah, or something well, like that. Not only you know? that, but like before it gets sprayed in his eyes, and he's like looking at it, he's looking at it, and then he also goes like he's gonna siphon it out. It's like you can do that when it's a small amount, but you probably shouldn't do that on a pump. He sticks the damn thing in his mouth first, yeah, probably, and then back in his yeah. face. And several scenes do this when like the gas is doing a thing, but when it sprays out in his face, it's black. Yeah, it's a gas in that color. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's so, it, oh, but this is the first time, it may have happened before this, where there's the, there's, I don't know, the killing noise, I would say, where it's like, dip, 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 you know, and it's just awful. It's not as bad as the thing from Firestarter <laughs> around the night, you know, but it, and, and then I thought maybe it was just that scene, but no, there's several scenes where somebody gets killed. It's, it's almost like psycho in a way, but. It's only like a couple times, and it's just, it's just, and it's by ACD. It's just not good. Yeah. It's kind of annoying. Um, All of the music is pretty bad because it's by ACDC, and uh, I'm going to offend a lot of people on the internet, but I'm not a fan of ACDC. I don't think yeah, I'm not really a huge fan either. And I, and I do think, like, I mean, it's a ridiculous movie, so it's fine, but if you did want to try to, you know, like, in, on some interviews, he talks about it wanting to be scary. In other ones, he talks about being a moron movie, so mm -hmm. he kind of knows what it is, but you'd have like a better score could really could up the game a lot of things, and, yeah. and there could be moments where maybe it was a little creepy or some interesting for i don't know you know but the score is just is it's just... like we've mentioned before this movie is essentially what if cocaine made a movie and if cocaine made a movie it would definitely pick acdc to do the soundtrack 100 <laughs> percent. So, that is so true um, um Next thing I have is uh, Pat Ingle is honestly a little unbelievable as a bad guy. Uh, but yeah. man, is he a douchebag in this movie. Uh, oh, yeah. We get introduced to our our uh, our protagonist, Emilio Estevez, a ex-con line cook. That's right. That's the hero of the movie. That's right. Um, and uh, Pat Hingle's character who just inexplicably, almost as if it's a pronoun, refers to everyone as Bubba. Yeah, um, yeah, and he had, and Emilio Estevez yeah, exclaims that he's got eggs on. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Just like I, I got, got eggs on. I got eggs on. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then, the waitress covers him. You know, although yeah, that you know, why very poorly looks like shit. Yeah, very you know? poorly. She's <laughs> cracking eggs into hash browns. Yeah. I don't know what she's doing. Not, it's not good. But uh, and then we see a very young Giancarlo Esposito uh, in the games room when. Uh, oh. The most useful thing that happens for many of the machines, they just start spitting out change in cigarettes. Free oh, change yeah. in cigarettes. Yeah. See, you know, you don't need Andy's powers of concentration to, to no. suck the coins out of not, the, you know, not when you're stuck you in a comic tail. Comic. You know? Yeah, you just needed a comic tail. <laughs> um, and then I had to point out, too, that uh, after the dude gets the gas in his eyes and they're taking him aside to have him looked at in the... Uh, uh, the shop there, the shop oh. area where the mechanics are, yeah. there is just a tremendous degree of porn stuck to the wall. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> Guys, yeah. Full frontal. Um, yeah, real hairy bushes. to have in your, yeah. in your place of business. Of business, yes. Uh, it is the yeah. South, though, so all bets are off. Yeah, exactly. You know, eh, it's a truck stop. That's, I don't know. I don't go to many truck stops. Maybe I, I, I also, also, I do not. You know, or I don't go um, to many mechanic shops attached to 
the track stab. That's that's or, true. Or maybe it's I don't know. Um, uh, yeah. And then uh, uh, we we talked about this beforehand, but the the electric bread knife or electric shaver thing. Yeah. Cuts her arm. But the part that I thought was ridiculous in that scene is her arm gets cut. She recoils from it and leans flat onto the flat top. Yeah. So the knife can cut, but the flat top does not burn. Yeah. You can say it's 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 not on or it's on low, but yeah, that thing was just cooking those eggs. Yeah, it was. It sure yeah. was. So, no, yeah. Uh, also, you don't really cook eggs on the flat top. Okay, former line cook here, you wouldn't cook eggs. Would you cook? Top. But you know, put yourself in the position of being not just a line cook, an but an ex-con line extent. cook. Would you then cook eggs on right, the flat I top? Right. I mean, like, I, and also the fact that extenuating he's, circumstances. He's not getting paid for all the time he's working. No, he's not. Like, you want me to? Clock in for eight and work nine or whatever. So, I yeah. mean, fair. If you're not getting paid for this, uh, yeah, I'd throw those eggs fucking anywhere. Yeah, exactly. You know? Exactly. exactly. Yeah, extenuating circumstances. That's fair. Um, uh, yeah, I would say the Giancarlo Esposito then gets electrocuted, um, which is the most ridiculous scene, too, because they don't seem to do this in anything else, but and the machine a, appears to shoot a lightning bolt at him. the bolt, David. What? Being the most ridiculous scene. Well, bold until nothing else. Yeah, well, sure, (laughs) but nothing else does that. Like the the, after he's stealing all the change and the cigarettes and everything has got himself all packed. He even also, for some fucking reason, has one of the cups of coffee it spit out just tucked into his jacket. You can see it. (laughs) Yeah, it's like just hold that. That's fine. You could pretend you paid for that. Uh, But the the machine then basically shoots out like a lightning bolt at him, and that's how he gets electrocuted. None of the machines ever do that. And if they had that ability, why aren't they just doing that the whole time? Yeah, I know. It's, yeah, that's... that's, And then then it moves to the most ridiculous scene, because now we're at a Little League game. Oh, yes. But but this is... Okay, so you have the machine calling Stephen King an asshole. Mm-hmm. That, if you need more than that, I, I mean, you're just a here's Here's you're your next crazy. best but reason for the 4 This is the next thing is, is the, the, yeah, the, the Little League game, the son, the, the, not the son, the coach is like, hey, soda's on everyone, I'm buying, which is kind of like going to be, I mean, there's like 15 kids on that thing. You're going to like individually buy like 15 The, the ridiculous soda, part about that but, too is he goes over like he's buying sodas on me he's gonna buy a soda for everyone and then he walks over and he literally just pops in three quarters right i mean like, i don't even think in the 80s that yeah. was enough no i, I <laughs> no, that was never enough um but 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 anyway he goes to buy one and then it starts shooting out soda cans but the first one straight to the nuts yep. which kick, kick. is so that's great uh he, he gets another one in the forehead but would it really like leave that kind of mark? I mean, is that I don't a think the soda shot, machine could you know? actually launch one out that you hard. Know? But I mean, it's reasonable to believe that a soda can with launched enough force would do that. I mean, you. But I don't I think guess. a soda machine could launch it with enough force. Because I mean, it's launching it like a pitching machine. Yeah. I mean, like I've said, you have to suspend your disbelief for this movie. But the thing is, it does. <laughs> there's not even any movie logic. No. You know, it's like there's, which is not that big of a deal. You can still enjoy it, but there's not even like. Oh, a logic here that you could suspend disbelief. I mean, it's like there's no, there's no, uh, what's you know, it, it, yeah, it all doesn't make sense in the movie. You know, it's like it, it's, it, I don't know. Josh, it's I, just, I, I just mentioned that a change machine shot a lightning bolt at a guy. What do you want from it, this it, movie? It's, it's true. <laughs> it's true. Um, and it's so at some point I kind of fade away a little bit. 
So that's good because have... I did not. I've got I've got some. Okay, yeah. So you up. go you go so ahead. So I faded away close to the end immediately. I, I admittedly uh, I've been uh, trying to fix some of my sleeping habits, uh, and uh, by this point in time, and well, a little later in the movie, I'm kind of high, if I'm honest. But right now, I'm. Is still... that the fix? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sure. I'm still pretty, still pretty keyed into the movie. Uh, we get the next scene, which is the Bible salesman, who is the most ungodlike person ever. <laughs> Apparently, this one was improvised. Okay. Just the whole scene with him trying to sell a Bible. Okay. Well, uh, so he's singing this Jesus song, uh, something about save me, sweet Jesus, whatever. He's singing some religious song. And it pans over to Laura Harrington, who is our Harrington, who is our love interest character. Sure. And at this point in time, this is the first of her inexplicable three outfit changes that that just come out of nowhere. But at this point in time, she is dressed like Indiana Jones. I shit you not. Hey, there you go. Brown hat, Does she brown have jacket. A bag? Huh? I don't think so. Right. Not that okay. they actively show. Not even, uh, not even, uh, you know, a, a bandana on the end of a pole. Yeah. I mean, not even that. No. She, she, but she's just dressed like Indiana Jones. And then, uh, uh, of course, the Bible salesman guy just starts grabbing on her and stuff. She says something about ripping his dick off. I don't remember. <laughs> something along those lines. Yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, the gas is black again, and then I wrote "This is awful," which, as we've mentioned, like this is a fun movie when you're watching it with you know your bro and you're having a beer and you're joking yeah. about the ridiculous shit that's happening on the movie. When you're just sitting there watching it by yourself, it's bad. It's just bad. It's not as you know. I mean, yeah, you get the Stephen King cameo is always great, but it's it's I I just really you have this experience too. Mm -hmm. I this is the first movie I just really and, and i have enjoyed it in the past i just really did not want to i it took so much willpower to watch the movie because i mean i had other shit that i wanted to watch uh you know i could have been watching the the pet cemetery sequel because it came out at midnight you know but uh no i had to watch this movie and but you know this it's is because we, we're dedicated joshua exactly this <laughs> is how dedicated we are you're welcome i could have been watching other things um and, uh, instead, I was watching this. Shit. Instead, I was watching, you know, but but <laughs> but this, this is the penultimate episode of, of the season, of season one, yeah. and we only have Stand by Me left, which is like, who doesn't want to watch Stand by Me at any point in time? So, um, which I did get to see at um, uh, uh, the, the the Kiggins uh, a couple of years ago, several years ago now, which was which is fun. And I have to say, Maximum Overdrive, I got to see a double feature on Stephen King's birthday, twenty nineteen. Yeah, before right before the pandemic. At the Hollywood Theater, uh, shout out to the Hollywood Theater, but except for your parking situation blows, so not a shout out to that. But anyway, I got to see that double feature uh, a couple years ago. So that, that, that was a really, that's a great context for watching Maximum Overdrive. A packed theater, because how often are you going to watch Maximum Overdrive in a packed theater? Not often. Probably even, not even, even in 1986. <laughs> it's not going to be a packed theater. So. Uh, so that that that's how you should watch the movie, or you know, just get blasted with your friend yeah. and, and watch it then. Yeah. You know, unless you have unless you have a substance use problem, and then definitely don't do that. Uh, but <laughs> any Probably anyway, a, I would imagine a great way to watch this movie is just to rail a line of cocaine first. That's the real way to. That's do that's it. how you should. But be watching you know, it. that's you know, we're gonna get addicted to that. So yes. you know, we, you gotta be careful. Yeah. Um, Can you do me a quick favor. Reach Maybe. into that fridge and grab me a mic so you can grab yourself one too if you'd like. So I've only got uh, one flavor left. 
There we go. Thank you. So, anyway. Next, we have the introduction of... I would say there are real secondary main characters, uh, and that is uh, John Short's Kurt slash Curtis. Fucking who was that? And the incomparable... Is that the, is that the guy that gives, does is married, No. It's the one who's married to Connie. Year oh, Smith. oh, God. I would say that there are secondary main characters, to be honest, because... Uh, no, for Curtis sure. they, uh, helps out in saving people with Amelia more than everyone else. Uh, but we meet them. Um, they're driving along. They just got married. Driving along, uh, driving along. A truck almost married. runs them off the road. <laughs> yes, uh, yes. They said truck almost runs them off the road. He dodges the truck, and then the truck just drives off a normal sized hill and explodes for no reason. Yeah, sure. Because I guess that's explosions what explosions are cool. Yeah, explosions that's are cool. The, You're right. The, uh, uh, explosions takeaway. are cool, which is a quote attributed to Michael Bay. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I don't know if he actually said that, but that's the spirit. I believe of it. All I would believe career. it. Yeah. Um, and then they stop at this truck stop, which is coincidentally not the same truck stop. Uh, oh yeah, this, I know. <laughs> and this tow truck almost rolls, runs over Curtis. And as he's laying there, Connie Yeardley Smith in her Yeardley Smith voice. Coincidentally, also Yeardley Smith, not her first name. Um, But that—that's the one I'm going to go with. Yeah, yeah. The first name's ridiculous. It's like Martha. Who wants to be Martha Smith? I mean, I guess that'd be Yeardley. Yeah. Um. So, uh, and she just yells out, "Curtis, are you dead?" And he, this is a bad start to a marriage because he does not respond. He just gets up and walks to the other side of the truck. Yeah, yeah. And, and the vo- I wish I could do an impression. Sorry, listeners, I can't. But it's just the first thing that she says is, oh, I think it's the first thing she says, I need to go to the ladies. And I'm just like, oh, it's just nails on a chalkboard. And it doesn't yeah. get, and then there's just a lot of screaming that she has. It, and it, it's if, not- if you want a representation of her voice, Think uh, Lisa Simpson, but always yelling. Yeah, I literally always yelling. Yeah, and and the one thing, the only thing that I know her from is City Slickers, where she, well, you it's, also it's, know her from the Simpsons. It's the huh? You also know her from the oh. Simpsons because she is Lisa Simpson's voice. Oh, I guess I didn't know that. <laughs> yep. Okay. Yeah. Um. But 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 mostly City Slickers, where she plays the the woman that Daniel Stern's character has an affair with. And uh, Daniel Stern, underrated as all hell. Oh, amazing. Also, his son is Howard Stern. <laughs> <Yes>, Howard Stern. <laughs> uh, he, he's not Congress, some political position, which is not what I expect. But anyway, yeah, Daniel Stern, shout out, not enough. Also, give me City Slickers 3. You know, I'm the only one harboring this. Uh, but this will anyway. come as no surprise to people who have been following and also people who know me. I've never seen a City Slickers movie. Jesus Christ. Everything that's good that's been out for a long time, I've never seen, okay? Just leave me alone okay, about it. So, <laughs> okay, so to take a slight, at least two-minute tangent here. So I've been watching City Slickers. I mean, honestly, Batman Returns and City Slickers probably are, are the earliest movies that I remember watching. So there is that. Um, but anyway, so what happens is I, I think he turns 39, maybe 40. I can't remember. Um, and, and so that's part of the thing. He's kind of having his midlife crisis. His friends, Bruno Kirby, R.I.P., way too young. 
Um, Bruno Kirby and, and Daniel Stern have been like saving for a year to, to buy, you know, to take this vacation cattle drive thing because, you know, cowboys. That's cool. No, um, I don't think that it is. And it, you know, you're wrong. In fact, I, so, I think that people who want to do things like that underestimate how often cattle shit. See, this is the thing. And, and that's what I've wanted to do when I turned 40 ever since it because that was the benchmark I'm you know probably not gonna go with you yeah i know i'm gonna have to get somebody else because you're a loser <laughs> uh but this is the one thing i've wanted i'm trying to make this happen so maybe i can sort of fundraise with this um i've got four years to go so also i'm gonna need somebody to go with me uh so there's that maybe i can get i i bet i could get richie to go yeah it sounds like something richie would be into. also and i don't mean that as bad as it sounds i mean that is a good thing no, he's he's down for it. Also, he looks like Grizzly Adams, Mountain Man. Um, but does he now? Oh, he does. Uh, also, okay, this is this is Richie's gone back and forth on on living in the Pacific Northwest. He's moving out here this month. Yeah, yeah, for real this time. I think so because he he has property from his grandfather in Castle Rock. Hey. Castle Rock, that's right. There's an actual Castle Rock it's, in Washington. Is it cool? No, it it's not sucks. cool. It's probably about as small as the real Castle Rock, though. Where, real Castle you know, Rock. Whatever. It is it's, real it's Castle real Rock. real in my mind. Um, Stephen King Castle Rock. So anyway, he inherited some property. He's already came out here uh, a couple weeks ago, checked it out, and says he's moving out here probably at the end of the month, maybe next month. So And, and he's, he's going to be a guest <coughs> probably. On the Stand By Me episode, I feel like he might be, you know, a guest here and there, especially if he moves to the area. Yeah, so that would make it easier. Maybe he's going to go with me to City Slickers. Maybe. Okay, in City Slickers rant. All right, back to the movie. Of course, this is like the third or fourth time I've got to point, point out something like this before Yay. in the Stephen King movie, and every time they're just great for me. But okay, the, very, the second main truck that we see show up, mm -hmm. you know, You've got the Happy Toys truck. The very next one is Zeke's Trash and Garbage. Trash <laughs> and Garbage, you said? <laughs> That's right. That's right. Do we have a definition of trash versus garbage? Yeah, like uh, somebody, like if, if there are any, you know, waste engineers out there, hit us up. Let us know. What's, what, what's the technical difference between trash and garbage? Right. Let us know in the comments. Yeah. Send us an email. Pastel Podcast at Gmail. Or the Pastel Podcast at Gmail. One of those two. Yeah. Try them both. Um, <laughs> I don't remember if I went the plural or not. Um, and this is where I note that uh, Laura Harrington's character, whose name is Brett for some reason, oh, sure. um, she now has completely different clothes on. She's no longer cosplaying as Indiana Jones. She's wearing uh, like a white t-shirt and a really white flowy like half body blousey thing. Uh, it's weird. And then also she goes on to just repeatedly call uh, Emilio Estevez hero. To okay. where there was a point in time, I think, when I first watched this movie, where I just thought that's what his character's name was in the movie. Like, they, they got so lazy that they just named the protagonist Hero. Even more lazy than Johnny, than Johnny Smith. Smith. <laughs> you know? Yes. Um, and then we get a little bit... We totally passed on this earlier because the, the uh, soda can scene is the best part of it. But just to kind of go back to that, there's one other kid whose name is Deke. And he is the son of the mechanic who gets diesel sprayed in his face. Uh, and he is at the Little League game. Um, 
and he watches, you know, the coach get killed by soda cans. He watches another kid get uh, ran over by a steamroller because <laughs> yes. there's a steamroller right next to the ballpark. Like, like there always is. That's I, I specifically like park my steamrollers <laughs> next to ballparks. Right, That's where absolutely. you're allowed to put them. That's the only place. Anytime you go to a ballpark, you are in danger. Yes, you really are. You comic, just make sure you're watching out for steamrollers because they're always there. Um, but he rides off on his bike. He gets away, right? And then there's this whole montage scene after uh, Laura Harrington is in completely different clothes uh, of him like riding down this street. And it starts off, I think it's supposed to be ominous, but like it definitely wouldn't work this way with machines. But the sprinklers just automatically turn on by him. Yeah, yeah, and cool. they're not like powered sprinklers, like, like irrigation systems. They're just, you're fucking hook up to the end of a hose sprinkler. There's no mechanics in that. Yeah. They wouldn't randomly turn See, on. Right, it's not powered. Not, it's not even even with anything. No, with power. it's not. It's just, it's just everything inanimate anything, is now animate. Anything that can do anything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> anything that is inanimate is now animate, basically. Uh, and then uh, and then I referred to the next proceeding scene where I feel like you have more precise notes on. I just refer to it as the dead body bike ride because once they get past the sprinklers. They showcase on him riding his bike up this city street, and everything around him is just dead bodies. Most of them in ridiculous <laughs> oh, fucking yeah. ways. Yeah, yeah. and, and the, also there's a note that I don't remember the exact positioning, but there was a dog that that has been killed by that a was toy, during this scene. Yeah, a toy police car. Um, I don't know. It was like in his, you know, somehow. But he's got a ton of blood on him, and I'm just like, I don't, I don't know about this one. I don't know about this one. Um, but yeah, everyone, everyone is dead, even when it's not clear how they're dead. No, no. There's um, just a bunch of dead bodies. Some of them, some of the time, like one of them, you don't, a lot of them, you don't even know how they died. Like there's a couple of different ones where there's just this woman's leg in a high heel covered with blood. Right. And there's one where she's just hanging out the window. Yeah. And the only thing I can think of is like, it's an automatic window that, that maybe went up, but it doesn't look like that. No. So it's just, yeah, it is, it is what it is. Uh... The, okay, the, the last thing, I mean, okay, the thing explodes, the Dixie Boy. The last thing I have, other than Dude, the I'm, boat thing, you're is missing this. half the movie. Yeah, this is when, okay, this is when I fell asleep. I'm not going to go in depth because, like, I don't have a ton more. Um, but uh, so the next scene, it cuts back to the Dixie Boy, and it's got the Bible salesman, and he's literally trying to pitch his Bible. And the way he does it is, this Bible has everything in it. Oh, yeah, so we're way back there. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, no, we're way back. Yeah. Uh, because that's what comes next. Uh, but this Bible... I mean, has, that's fair. <laughs> this Bible has everything in it. It's it's just a ridiculous scene. And at this point, I literally just wrote NVM because there was a moment in there where uh, the truck starts destroying... One of the trucks starts destroying the Bible guy's car, right? And there's a moment in there where I just started thinking, hmm, maybe there's... You know, because this is a thing that's in a lot of Stephen King stuff, but maybe there's that underlying morality clause happening mm. because at first mm. the trucks kind of just go after bad people. Uh, the trucks themselves, not the other machinery. The other machinery is like, fuck everyone, like anarchy. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but the trucks at first are trucks only going logic. after bad people. But then it kills uh, Duncan, who is Deke's dad, the guy who got diesel sprayed in his face. It just And it's the most unnecessarily gory blood splatter up the side of the truck scene, I think, in the whole movie. Doesn't it feel like Deke should be the son of Zeke? Yeah, <laughs> it feels like you know it feels right yeah. Um, uh, yeah but then the truck goes back and hits his car again after killing the guy uh, sure. 
and then it's uh, and then the Bible salesman, supposed to be a religious man, starts screaming every curse word, and it starts out just like fucking Cartman when he's got the belt that electrocutes him anytime he says a curse word because the dude just goes shit, fuck ass, bitch. Yeah, isn't he like, oh, bitch, get out of the way? Or yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's just every curse word strung together, and mine is just like, I don't think men of religion are allowed to stalk like that. Um, and then all the trucks kind of run away after that scene, after all the people run outside, and there's no trucks. And then all of a sudden, all the trucks show back up, and they just start circling the Dixie Boy, right? So this is kind of what I talked about with the scene imitating the birds, but yeah. it's creepy when it's birds and just stupid when it's trucks. Because this is where I started to raise the question. Why am I watching this first? Well, sure. Uh, but no, this is where I started to raise the question that follows me until a certain point in the movie, but it's why the fuck don't the trucks just bombard the building? Why are they circling yeah. it instead of just driving through the fucking building? They're trucks. They can just destroy everyone. Um, I don't know, because I don't know what the end game is. Like, they're yeah. just going to starve to death? Well, like, and that's so the part two that's weird, uh, which I'll get into again in just a moment. But, and then this is the third outfit change for Laura Harrington. She's now wearing a pink top. Sure. Yeah. Um, and then it made me write the note, uh, why is it only trucks? Because all the cars that people are driving, mm. you know, like, uh, the Bible salesman car doesn't get possessed. Yeah, Curtis They're and Connie's car yeah. doesn't get possessed. Like, yeah. why does none of that happen? Um, kind of weird. Yeah. Also, no Christine cameo. What's up with that? Yeah, right? Uh, and then Kurt and Connie are speeding into Dixie Boy so fast that they flip their car. Um, yep. And they're getting traced by another truck, and then all of a sudden, Pat Hingle has an RPG. Also, which is it explained why he has the weapon cash underneath the Dixie oh, Boy? Oh, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> He's just kind of a psycho. Yeah. Um, but if you're going to get stuck somewhere, you know, a truck stop is not, I mean, because you got a lot of food, mm -hmm. you've got showers, mm -hmm. you know, like, I mean, you can hang out for a while there, you know? So yeah. it's, it's not like they're stuck in some remote location where there's no food or water or. You know, I mean, they could hang out there for a while. The trucks are going to run out of gas at some point, so. You know, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, but so my next note is specifically, uh, they hear the Bible salesman screaming. Uh, no, I'm not there yet. Never mind. Um, no one cares. No, the, the, no <laughs> out of order. Oh, so God. I, have, I have a note that says, even if this kid survives, he is fucked. And I can't remember where it was placed, but beak basically everything he's been through like watching his baseball coach get murdered by a soda machine watching his yeah. his yeah. teammate get run over by a steamroller the the bike ride of dead bodies and now i think he's just crawling into a sewer tunnel just to get out of just to get away from everything like this kid is going to need some really like a lot of fucking uh Therapy after yeah. all of and, it. And, and he's never drinking soda again. No, never. Of course no, not. Never. Which is probably not the worst thing. Never drinking but, soda, never yeah. playing baseball. Right. Exactly. Especially never playing in baseball now that he knows that the steamrollers are always next up. I mean, exactly. Yeah, never going to a construction site or anything that you know, repainting a rope. You know. So anyway. And then this, this particular note, I think, is a great poll question. Um, in Blink and You Miss It cameo, Marla Maples is in this movie. It's actually the first thing she was ever in. Who's like Marla Maples? Uh, well, the, the poll question will probably get you to the most important part. Okay. What's the biggest mistake? What do you think she thinks is the biggest mistake she's made? Having Maximum Overdrive be the first movie she's in or being Donald Trump's second wife? Ooh. 
this is uh, this, to me not a hard question. To <laughs> Uh, it's not a hard question to answer. Maybe if she was in Cat's Eye, you know. Mm -hmm. Well, what's the word? Or Children of the Corn. Children, Children of the Corn. Children of the Corn. Yeah. That's what I mean. Children of the Corn. Yeah. If she was in Children of the Corn, that, it's it's a tough call. Um, but depending on depending how you voted, I guess. Um, anyway. Um, um, uh, okay, I have to mention the broom thing at some point. I don't know where. No, I'm, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Because I actually ended up having the same note. Broom. Room. <laughs> uh, I'm going to speed through my notes now just because most of them, at this point in time, I was starting to get a little high. So most of the notes are just kind of like call outs to other movies. Like, uh, okay, so uh, after knowing each other for what seems like eight hours, if that, uh, our hero and Laura Harrington's character, Brett, hook up. Sure. She doubles down on the hero thing when she says, You sure make love like a hero. <laughs> How exactly, posing the question, how exactly do heroes make love? Just like Emilio Estevez. I guess so. Uh, to which the next point is, uh, she's talking about, this is where we get the real point out of the time. The only time it really even mentions okay, the time. Like, oh, we're supposed to be stuck in the comet's tail for seven days, at which point I heard it in my head as, seven days. This is a ring reference? Yes. Yeah. Um, and this is the point where I think the most ridiculous piece of dialogue in the whole movie. And it's the, the uh, waitress who was helping him on the grill and gets her arm all cut up. And she runs out of the Dixie Boys oh, is this where gets into like the crowd. Not yet. No. Okay. She runs out into the, like, just into this crowd of circling trucks and just starts screaming, you can't do this. We made you. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, and at this point, they've blown up a bunch of the trucks and stuff with Pat Hingle's weapon stash. Oh, yeah. uh, and RPGs and everything. Uh, but all of a sudden now, for no explicable reason, you see, because there's only like three trucks left circling, Zeke's trash and garbage. Um, in uh, The Bic truck. Very that was the other one. That was the other one. The Bic truck. It's a fucking Bic truck. Interesting. I'm and, surprised uh, they allowed. Yeah, right? <laughs> and then half, that, that there was actual licensing. <laughs> yes. And then uh, the uh, Happy Toys truck. All the other trucks that were originally there got blown up at this point. But then we get this scene that is nothing else but ACDC and a line of semi-trucks driving up a street. Yeah. So yeah. I just wrote reinforcements. Hell yeah. Um, We're coming. We're coming, buddy. Uh, and then this is... And then we go from one of the worst pieces of dialogue to one of the best. And it's Kurt slash Curtis. Uh, he's listed in the credits as Kurt, but Connie always calls him Curtis. So... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, but he, does. he yeah. says to, uh, and I love this because I, wa I want to be able to say this to somebody someday in my life. But he says to Pat Hingle's character, and you, sir, are without a doubt one of the biggest fuckheads I've ever met in my entire life. Maybe when you just quit your job one day, just unplanned, right? Just right. Like, take this job and shove it. Right. Right. Uh, so that that was pretty great. Uh, the reasoning why is that they're the, you know they hear this is where they hear the uh, Bible man screaming, so they're going to go out and try to save him by going through the storm drain. Pat Hingle's trying to stop him, and so uh, Kurt calls him a fuckhead. Um, oh yeah. And then as they go out, like I wanted to just make a joke about how you know they're crawling through this basically this storm tunnel uh, from the showers. So. Kurt's character falls face first in shit water. But before <laughs> I could make a joke about yeah. it, Emilio Estevez asks him how it tastes. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, the kid meets the Bible man. 
because the kid comes out of a storm drain on the opposite side of the ditch mm. that the Bible man's stuck in, and the Bible man tries to hold him down. But instead, they save the kid instead of the Deke instead of the Bible man. And when they get back to the Dixie boy, Deke asks uh, Hero, because uh-huh, I think her real name is Billy, uh, asks him what happened to his dad, and Pat Hingle's character said that he was ran over by one of the trucks, which is what happened, but he does it very tactlessly to where right. Emilio Estevez calls him, you unbelievable shithead. And you thought um, he was a fuckhead. Yeah, huh? Then you thought he was a fuckhead. Yeah, no. Well, according to Kurt, he's a fuckhead, but according to Hero, he's a shithead. Um, and then this is this is the point where like my irritation about the trucks just not storming the Dixie Boy comes even more all around is because instead of a, a bulldozer pushes a car into the Dixie Boy. Yeah, it's, it's showcasing yeah. that yes, this could have been done the whole time. Yeah. Um, and then uh, and then this is where we get the uh, scene that you're talking about because when the bulldozer shows up, it also shows up with an army vehicle. Uh, which is just like a go-kart with a machine gun mounted to it. Yes. yes. <laughs> and yes. Uh, uh, that same waitress runs out with an RPG screaming, we made you. She launches the RPG at the bulldozer, which of course causes the military vehicle to just start machine gunning the shit out of everything. Um, uh, everybody. <laughs> like everybody. Yeah. The waitress, Pat Hingle gets shot, all of these other people. It's, it's yeah. I put, you asked for war, Pat, because he did, and now a bunch of people are dead. And then all of a sudden, uh, and I knew what it was right away, not what it was saying, but the military vehicle horn starts honking. And of course, Deke is, uh, he just got his merit badge in Morse code, so he knows that's Morse code. (laughs) Um, And they do this whole entire thing. Yeah, right. (laughs) They do this whole entire thing where uh, they're finding out that what the truck is saying is that, what the military vehicle is telling them is that all the trucks are almost out of gas. So as long as they need to send somebody out to fill up all the trucks so that they can continue circling, but then no one will get hurt as long as they go out to pump gas. (laughs) So now there is a pumping gas montage. It is literally the scene of until they're out of gas, they're filling it up, filling it up, filling it up. And then when they run out of gas, this other gas truck shows, shows up, right? But it turns out the gas truck doesn't have any gas and he goes to try to fill it up. And so they all get mad and start attacking things again. And this is when he says the broom thing. And all I wrote was broom question mark, because I think I was so, a little bit less connected to reality. So this is when I'm coming I'm coming back to back to life and and I don't really know what's happened right before, but he's he's just like exhausted, Emilio mm-hmm. Rest of his character. He's just this is exhausted, him running away as they're trying to kill yeah, him he's again. He's kind of out of it talking to his girlfriend, whatever. And he's yeah, he's like, It's the car. It's a broom. And it just kind of, I feel like he repeats it a couple times and he's like, it's a, and I'm like, what? That's, that's why I just wrote question going? mark right. room. Cause he's like, but then he broom. says, then he says, here's earth and it's a big old house. And then I don't remember exactly how he says it, but he suggests maybe like, maybe that this, you know, they're sort of sweeping away. The humans are sweeping them away. So the alien overlords or whatever can come in and live there. Um, which I totally did not remember this ever. But, but I, I would say that's my problem. Is there ever any implication no. that there are aliens involved? No, it's no, the tale I, of a comic. No, that's it. No, <laughs> and, and so like that's the idea that like it's it's a broom. Yeah, here's Earth, and it's a big old house, and that's the you know. So that's kind of uh, either way. Uh, they're they're sweeping them away. I don't know. I mean, assumably there's aliens coming, but. Uh, that's pretty much 
what that but means, at this point, as far as shortly I can understand after it, that, or in the same time as that, they all kind of escape into the storm drain that they were in before, trying to get you know around the trucks and away from them. And now that no one is in the Dixie Boy, the trucks drive into the Dixie Boy and start destroying the Dixie Boy. Yeah. The yeah. whole movie, they yeah, could have done that. This, I mean, the trucks could have taken over the Earth in the first 15 minutes if they would have just destroyed the Dixie Boy. They waited until everyone was safely out yes. before, you know, yes. they didn't want anyone to get yes. hurt. And then, so, that explodes. I'm just going to give a nice little end to the movie. Uh, that explodes. The Dixie Boy explosion. They're all, you know, running away, trying to get to different places. You know, they're specifically trying to, and it's alluded to earlier in the movie, uh, during uh, Emilio and Laura's fuckfest. Uh, that uh, they're going to go to this specific island that's got no machines, and they're going to take a sailboat to get there because sailboats have no machines, which is also probably wildly inaccurate because there's probably things, you know, like... There's probably know, a backup. For, like, depths yeah. and things like that. Yeah. But whatever. Well, that's true, yeah. <clears throat> um, there might be a fish finder on there. You yeah, know, you know, not, not any exactly. number of things. Yeah. Um, so they end, they end up in this, like, burger shack drive through yes. uh, and the, the the ordering menu board or whatever starts yelling about there being humans, humans there. Here, humans so here. So Deke grabs a machine gun and just shouts, this is for my dad, and just unloads on the menu board. This is for my dad, you loudmouth son of a bitch. That's right. And, yeah, just fucking machines. And, and like, if you're greedy, and the other two, if the Stephen King cameo and the... Whatever the oh the, 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 soda the machine yeah beat down. soda machine if that was not enough you know this this is this is the it's not as good as those two I would say but yeah a kid machine gunning a drive through board they're saying humans here you know, I mean that's that's what else yes yeah. my best part my 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 best my favorite part of it is as soon as he does that he unloads the entire clip barely takes a breath and then hands the gun over to Emilio Estevez and just like I don't want this anymore I mean he's Taking his revenge out yeah. on the yeah. drive-thru board. And, uh, um, and then the last important piece of note I have is, uh, as we've mentioned, it's supposed to be a sailboat, but what they get into appears to just be a regular-ass boat. It, it definitely just um, and, uh But it's the last RPG that's shot. It's shot at the Happy Toys truck, and when, which I think is pretty close to the last piece of at least meaningful dialogue in the movie. Emilio screams, adios, motherfucker, and then shoots the RPG at um there you go and that's that's basically that's uh that's the movie that's that's it the, um, the ending is it's just well no they, uh, i was gonna say it just kind of ends but yeah i mean it's it's the isn't the boat yeah that was the thing isn't the boat gonna do something it feels like you could have just done a twist there but uh but yeah you know um one thing i i didn't mention is that the the dop uh, lost his eyeball. Also, the thing that was weird is, okay, he'd worked on Silver Bullet, which was not weird, didn't speak a word of English. Mm -hmm. And so, kind of like a weird pick on your first movie, your last, to choose the guy who doesn't speak English. I mean, but, his name is Armando Nanuzzi, which leads me to believe that he was probably one of those on the cheap scabs that Dino brought in, because based on that name, I'd bet that that guy speaks Italian, and Dino can be the little intermediary. Thing. Yeah, I suppose. So, so there's that. Um, yeah, that's pretty much. There's some very light most... um, uh, pop culture, just kind of interesting things. Uh, one of them being uh, nominations for awards. Um, Stephen King, in his first foray ever, 
was nominated for a Golden Raspberry Award for Worst Director. Oh, yeah, and uh, Emilio um, And too. Emilio was also nominated for Best Actor, uh, for Worst Actor, excuse me. Uh, they, but they lost. Both of them lost to the same person, Prince. Oh, For yeah, Under the right. Cherry Moon, which, honestly, uh, I can put it this, honestly like the same way as uh, in an episode of The X-Files, uh, El Mundo Gira is the name of The X-Files, um, there is rain that is, the, that is purple. And Scully says sure. something about purple rain, to which uh, uh, Mulder responds, excellent album, deeply flawed movie. <laughs> and I would say the same thing on Under the Cherry Moon. Uh, all, almost all of Prince's movies, while classics and very beloved, are fucking fever dreams. Albums, great, excellent musicians. The movies are wild. Uh, so that's, that's a fun little thing. They yeah. lost to Prince. Um, the next ones I have, um, uh, uh, The Simpsons, Season 10, Episode 17, has an episode called Maximum Homer Drive. Uh, Homer challenges a trucker to a meat-eating contest. Um, the trucker wins but quickly dies of beef poisoning, which is a thing. Um, so then Homer takes over driving his truck and brings Bart along with him, uh, and, uh, yeah, things happen. Uh, I didn't get to watch the episode beforehand, but that's a neat little tidbit. Uh, another connection is, uh, Dragon Force, uh, English power metal band, uh, who most people probably only know exists because of Guitar Hero. Um... But they had an episode. They had an album called Maximum Overload, which is not influenced by it in any way, shape, or form, except for the similarity in the name. Uh, which is virtually all I had as far as uh, pop culture goes. But hey, I haven't had any pop culture in the last little while. Hey, so it so... was it was nice to be able to talk about. Something. So there you go. Yeah. Um, I, the the one thing that because okay, I feel like this is a thing for anyone to answer ever on any platform that we have please write something um <clears throat> but we crave validation exactly please but um david gordon green director of the halloween trilogy that that came out th this is a question i have that I'm, I'm curious what people think um where he talks about how with the third movie halloween ends it's completely bizarre it, it's just it, it you know energy is a whole new character it focuses on that character and barely on Michael Myers and kind of wondering how much does a franchise director that's finishing John Carpenter's vision, you know, how much do you owe paying that off in a way that makes any sense versus like what his opinion was, was essentially I was given the keys to the castle, I was allowed to play in this sandbox, and basically I got to make the movie that I thought was interesting, which I feel like if this is your own original movie, it's fine, but when you're paying off this, maybe not to the fans, right, but to, to paying off John Carpenter's vision at all, I don't know. You know, so that's something, do, do you feel like he owes, you know, you know, Beyond just the way that he thinks it's interesting, uh, I don't know, you know, because I feel like maybe a little bit. Not to the fans, per se, we talked about that, yeah. but to the spirit of what came before. 
like I said, in my opinion earlier, if they really wanted to do justice to John Carpenter, uh, it would have had nothing to do with Michael Myers because John Carpenter didn't want the Halloween series to uh, be just about Michael Myers. Yeah. That's why the third movie is just a random story because they were supposed to be, uh, at a time it was supposed to be uh, just stories that had things to do with Halloween, but his original thing was to kind of tie this around to a bunch of different holidays. Which is which is fair, although I have to say, a lot of people are like, oh, we should continue that. But I have to say, I would only really be ever interested in that if John Carpenter had anything to do, at least with the story. Or I mean, because beyond that, it's Halloween or holidays are the only tie together. And, and we have things like that now. So I, I don't know. I feel like I'd only really be interested if he had anything to do with the story. And beyond that, I'm not. I, I can't say I'm really bummed that that didn't get paid. I'd be interested because I think overall we need more horror anthology stuff. Uh, I was stoked when for a minute we had Creepshow, we had the new Twilight Zone, which honestly I thought was underrated, and it's a bummer that they canceled it as quickly as they did because yeah, every episode was, was very good. Um, what they've been doing with Are You Afraid of the Dark up until 2019, let's get some more of those anthology series. Yeah. Disney Plus is thankfully doing it with... Uh, um goosebumps uh which i'm very excited to see that looks really good um but like let's bring back tales from the dark side too let's let's get more horror anthology out there let's get more reasons to have spooky shit on tv all year long okay so one last final thing joe hill wrote a whole tales from the dark side treatment for i believe it was the cw where there was a recurring there was a recurring character that was kind of vaguely involved in all these, but mainly it was still an anthology film. There was just a, a, a slight arc where it was the same character kind of be, but that, you know, and, and so eventually it didn't get paid off, but they did make it into a comic. So it's, it's too bad because that would have been exactly the kind of thing that, that we're talking about here. Indeed. Um, but anyway, that's the, let us know. I mean, let us know about the, the Halloween thing or and it's not specifically Halloween, but just, as a franchise director, it's it, it's different, right? So anyway, what do people think? And that's what we have for Max Overdrive. Yep, that, um, that's uh, that's that's that movie. We'll see you at the finale. Uh, stand by me, coming at some point in the future. We hope you've enjoyed. And for now, this is the Past House signing off. Good night and good luck.